I know how I feel when I write and play my own music. And I work with almost exclusively with people just doing their own music. I know how important it is to my happiness. And when I'm working with somebody else, I don't forget that. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tapping the Flow podcast. This is episode number 13, I believe, if I'm keeping track correctly. Um, you've just heard the voice of Suffolk-based producer and songwriter David Booth. Uh, David is a phenomenally gifted interpreter of someone else's desire to be heard as they are um, and I think that in telling his story in this podcast you'll uncover the reasons as to why um, and himself and I align particularly strongly on this because we believe that the origin of a song is a voice within you that needs to be heard and, and so it, you have to pay a lot of respect to that need for the cathartic release of the performer within the context of realizing the voice of their song that needs to be captured in a, in a beautifully pristine way, but also with respect to the realities of making that happen in an emotional way. So uh, David uh, is a person that is able to do that, um, and he's been doing it very, very successfully uh, in the products that he's been creating with people, such as the late Matt Bayfield, who many people in Suffolk will know. And it takes a sympathetic person to be able to do that, but also someone who's not afraid to be able to reach into the other person to draw the emotional content out of them and to hold space with them while they realize their own inner voice and fulfill their needs to be expressive in such a way that is uh, in keeping with their heart's desires. Um, I won't talk too much about this because we do get into it in the podcast. Here's a song from David Booth, it's called Away Away, and then we'll be straight into the conversation. I love the rain in minority My father's hat is here on scene Away, away, be going or stay Today, today, I'm not going anywhere We lay, we lay under clouds but they fade away Certainty in the smallest grains Moments pass and we age and shrink No dignity in our honest frame It matters not when we stop and think Autumnal shades in summer green I love the rain in minority my father's hat is here on scene Away, away, be going or stay Today, today, I'm not going anywhere We lay, we lay under clouds but they fade away 
Autumnal shades in summer green I love the rain in minority My father's hat is here unseen Away, away Be going or stay Today, today I'm not going anywhere We lay, we lay Under clouds but they fade away Away, away Be it going or stay Today, today I'm not going anywhere We lay, we lay under stars, but they fade away Away Welcome to Tapping the Flow. We don't know how it's going to go, but we're going to have fun on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've listened to a couple, just a, just a couple initially. I haven't listened to any, any more since that. Uh, but I love them, and I love the... Because the first one, I can't remember the guy's name, but you got into a really deep discussion about meditation and, and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, it's an early one. Uh, and, and then the other one was a bit more what I was expecting, I suppose, just talking more about music and, and songs. And it's be- but, it- but I thought, why not? You know, just what? talk about whatever. Yeah, it's a bizarre one, actually, because I listened to the one you're talking about which was with my friend Damien Flynn. And I put it on yesterday and I was like, I haven't listened to it for a long time. And I'm like, this is the very first episode and we're not talking yeah. about music. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool. Good. So yeah, I've got a basic home setup, very, very basic, just because at the moment I don't have internet at my temporary studio. Hmm. Uh, so I can, I can just get into email tethering on my phone and that's about it you know wow. it's it's really really rubbish so i've brought a couple of things home you know just a, a an old mic and a, a spare little interface but it, it's fine and i'm in what is my my wife's sort of office it's mm-hmm. a little bedroom here uh, she uses it as an office during the week but um we shouldn't get any interruptions i might get the cat up here don't know it's real She's life. Got a mind of her own. You can't. Oh, do that's it. About that's it. And actually, I really like that, and I'm really relaxing into this idea that you know, people uh, way more important or or whatever on more important things, business than us, get interrupted by their kids, and mm. it, and it's great, and it's great. That's what we're all doing. So and that's the thing. I suppose that we're all in this. We're all. We are all in this. So uh, we just got to get on with it, haven't we? We do have to get and on do with it. What and we can. I think. I think that reality yeah, is a powerful part of daily. You did freeze for a second there. That's all right. As long as the audio is working, then you can just edit it. I will. I will. I haven't edited these things so far, but I can certainly edit stuff. Have you not? Oh my God. You see, the reason I stopped doing my podcast after I think it was six episodes was because I just got too picky and it was taking me hours to edit every little pop and scratch and noise and you know and uh, I think if I start doing them again which I would like to I'm just going to leave the noise and and the ums and ahs and the well let's let's talk about that because like this ties into what I think personally myself in recording myself I like to hear is the sort of reality parts of life the string squeaks and the pops and the mouth noises and the sort of weird timing how do you, as a producer, like when you find someone who's young, a singer-songwriter who's only responding to themselves on a guitar, singing and playing, they love the energy they put into it. It's very important that it comes across as a cathartic release process, but you have to capture that and turn it into a studio recording. I think you're very, very good at that. What's your 
What's your process for that? I think because I've approached this from approached being an engineer and producer from the direction of being a musician first. Uh, and at one point, a musician who certainly in my early days really disliked studios. Um, I don't really know why. I just felt they were stifling. And um, I suppose looking at it now, uh, I just think there's a lot of studios that are really well equipped and have nobody with a personality ready to deal with the people. And I, so I prioritise the people. Um, of course, I, you know, I've got, I've got nice gear hmm. and I just about know how to use it, although I'm not very technical. But I just prioritise people. Um, I know that even experienced uh, musicians, singers, songwriters um, get red light fever. Mm. Uh, they come into a studio, um, especially if it's an uninspiring place, and, and they won't perform. So I really prioritise that. Um, the first thing I do with anybody is, you know, get the kettle on or, or you know, just sit and have a chat. I don't get people into the studio, um, you know, start a t stopwatch and say, okay, right, we've got eight hours. What are we going to do? Mm. Um, you've got a, what would you do if you met somebody in a pub and, and you just ended up chatting to him? You, you know, you, you would, you just chat and find some common ground and find out what they're into. So specifically, uh, I, I don't know, you check people are okay, but mm. then you start talking about music. What are you into? What are you listening to at the moment? And and I often learn from that, uh, especially with younger artists mm. who put me onto artists, uh, other artists that I've never heard of. Um, I can't listen to the radio, daytime radio. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, I find it way too formulaic and I find a lot of the music way too formulaic uh, and overproduced and auto-tuned which drives me nuts. So I could, so a lot of the time I've not heard, my daughter despairs of me. My daughter's only 10, but she despairs of me because she says, have, have you heard the latest dot, dot, dot track? And I'm like, who? <laughs> and she's uh. like, it's had a hundred million streams on Spotify. Has it? Oh, well done then. <laughs> so so I, I love listening to, I love getting, talking to artists, yeah. getting their, what are they into? You know, having, getting the, uh, the, the computer on and, and having a listen to some of the tracks that people are into. And I might know some of them and I might not. Um, but it is getting that common ground and, and just above all, making them feel comfortable in the space that, you know, as, as comfortable as they would be in their own living room. But it just happens to be my recording studio, you know. That's, um, that's the key, isn't it? Because I think a lot of recordings sound best with just an iPhone, not because of the quality of the recording, but because of the quality of the space, the quality of the headspace, yeah. you know. And yeah. uh, I've had the same sort of thing for myself. Like the last album I recorded was probably three or four years ago in a cottage in the Deben, the River Deben. And I had my mic set up so I could just get up in the morning and sit down. And, and if the idea was there, it would come out. And it was a very honest representation of where I was at with the thing. And I think yeah. that that's why I like what you do, because you do put people in a space to capture them in that sort of way. Like just, just sort of sneakily jumping onto the... Um, what you were talking about current music and your daughter saying, have you not heard of this? Have you not heard of that? <laughs> you could literally say, yes, I have. It could be one of a hundred songs you've heard recently because they're very generic and very stylistically similar. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. You know? uh, and I mean, I, I, the only radio station I can bear to listen to is Six Music. Um, yeah. And uh, that just seems to me, uh, I don't know whether it's built for people 
my age uh, who who is because it's got a, people like Steve Lamack who I grew up with uh, mm. on the radio you know still doing it mm. um, and it's a great mixture of, of sort of I don't know indie music and acoustic music and dance music and uh, but it's it's not on the whole it's not the overproduced generic stuff mm. you know um, don't get me wrong I totally appreciate the craft it takes for the producers and the, the performers to produce a Dua Lipa track, for example. You know, those people are really clever that do that. And she's a great performer. Um, not my cup of tea, obviously, yeah. but it's not meant for me. Um, but she's great, you know. Um, it's, but for me, I can't, I just can't listen to it. Um, yeah. Unless my daughter absolutely makes me uh, listen to this, is really good. And I appreciate it, but I don't choose to listen to it. So. Yeah, it's uh, I I don't know whether uh, the, I like six music also at the weekends because because you get really really different stuff. Uh, so you get Keris Matthews doing mm-hmm. um, all sorts of. Uh, uh, there's one of my most favourite things I've heard on the radio in recent years, which probably shows you why I wouldn't like daytime radio. One would be was a, a feature on yodeling, and I thought uh, I thought I was I was painting in my house, uh, just, just painting the walls. I don't, I'm not a painter. I was just you know doing a bit of home DIY. Yeah, yeah. And, and I heard a trail this. I was like, oh, God, I'll probably just turn the radio off when that comes on. But, my God, it was brilliant. It was fascinating. Oh. Uh, and you just don't get that on Radio 1. Uh, so, yeah, and I like Giles Peterson. And, and, uh, let's let's jump in there. Sorry on the yodelling. I mean, so your, your kid says, would you listen to Dua Lipa? And you go, okay, if you listen to my yodelling collection, then we're in a good place well, here. <laughs> absolutely and, uh, and uh, uh, perhaps I should have a yodelling collection now uh, but it was it was just you know from <clears throat> music's point it was it was brilliant am, am I sensing a playlist here in music that makes you wish you were deaf deaf <laughs> <laughs> I could I could, I could have a couple couldn't I uh, here's music you wouldn't expect I would listen to and here's the other one that my daughter wants me to listen to uh, and I yeah. feel like I should know about it yeah. and, that, and that's another thing as a producer like um you know, you, you go through phases when you think, oh, I really should be trying to keep up with the latest trends. Um, mm-hmm. But um, ah, I gave that up a long while ago. It's an interesting one. I was sp- speaking to David Ford, the singer-songwriter, the other day about this. And we were saying, like, you know, in the old days, it would have been, like, song written by this person and that person. And there you go. Now there's about 25 people involved, including a kick drum sample engineer and a sort of, like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody's in on the party. Beat makers. It's bizarre. Yeah, well, I mean, it, uh, the only the only upside to that to people like you and I who are songwriters and, and uh, still working at hopefully you know having a hit someday mm. uh, that that you know we we might produce a little guitar sample or something that gets used on a big track. That, uh, we might only be one of twenty writers though, so uh, I want to imagine the royalties will be great. Um, they're not going to be great anyway, man. You know, there's... well, well, no, they're not. Even if we write a whole track and get it streamed a hundred thousand times on Spotify uh, or uh, other streaming services, who was are available it the other day? Know. Who was saying it was at um oh, i can't remember who it was gary newman i think said his track had been streamed a million times on spotify and he got 37 quid oh my god oh yeah it, it, clearly the industry let's put is. the irony of that is you can only afford four months of subscription to spotify if your track gets streamed a million <laughs> times <laughs> yes and you see though i i, I was exploring this recently um i'm aware that other services are available and i just put a, a message out uh, on socials saying right give give me some feedback people on, on what you think are the better streaming services as, par- as far as because mm. you, you can do research on it and you can get vague it's not straightforward but you can get vague figures of roughly what what 
different services pay out per stream to the artists mm. but it's so complicated it's almost impossible so i was like okay i do pay a you know me 10 quid a month to spotify mm. um i have done for a long long time because i i use it for work purposes mm. as well you know so it, it, i feel like i should pay but that it's not enough is it i used to pay 10 quid every time i bought an album mm. so uh and i'm listening to how many different albums a month now you know so i thought well i'll try to find out morally who does everybody think is the better streaming service and there is no answer uh, everybody has their own personal choice for different reasons so i'm still on spotify but yeah. uh, i don't know I, there you go. i'm going to speak up in spotify's favor only because their customer service are incredible when it comes to the artist and that ah. I, as, a, as a spotify for artist person i contacted them the other day and they got back to me within yeah. three hours to say wow. you need to do this this and this but then right. my partner my partner pointed out to me that they're probably outsourcing all of their customer care things and the customer care people well. get paid a pound for every response. <laughs> but anyway, they were fast. Apple are not as fast. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've not had to use this customer services. I've got a Spotify for Artists account. But yeah. uh, at the moment, I just sort of vaguely look at it uh, every couple of weeks and think, yeah, not much happening, is there? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky one, man. It's um, like it's just mine and put it into perspective because I do library music. I've had some library tracks that have been massive and they're all called under my name. So I get this ah. track and it's like, oh, I'm doing really well. It's not my music. I can't track that. So I've had to contact uh. the distributor of the library music and say, take my name off this. I don't want my name on this, which they're going to okay. do. And then I'll go back yeah. to having no listeners. <laughs> no listeners. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bittersweet. Move. It's okay. I, 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 I would prefer to be... I don't know, truthful and naked in a field rather than adorned with someone else's clothes. Anyway, you know, it's fine. That, that's a very eloquent way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> running mad, naked through the bushes. Um, <laughs> let, let's, let's talk about your own music. What's the story with your own music? You had a history before and what's that history? You're before being a producer. Before yeah. being a producer, yeah. Um, so, well, it start, I'll try and do it as quick as possible. Uh, I was uh, given a cornet uh, basically, I was made to play cornet from about the age of three. Basically, when I was big enough to hold a cornet, my all, my parents and my my grandparents and my uncles and aunties and cousins, the whole lot, played in brass bands mm -hmm. up in the Peak District in Derbyshire. So I've been playing music since I was tiny um, and sort of learnt to read music uh, to a fashion and played in brass bands till I was 17. So that was an amazing grounding in music. I was surrounded by music all the time. Um but um, the, I suppose I eventually just found it stifling. Um, I got into rock and roll music, into sort of heavy metal in mm. my early teens, 13, 14. Then started playing drums, a drum kit that somebody gave me when I was 15 and started picking up a guitar about 16 because I wanted to write songs. I didn't know I wanted to be a songwriter. I didn't know what one was, but uh, I knew, I just felt like, I needed to write stuff. Mm. I was a typical teenager going through teenagers' stuff, struggling with my own self-image and whatever, you know, mm -hmm. with, uh, what every teenager goes through. And I, But because I was musical, I found my way out through listening to powerful music that I got very into and I could relate to stuff from the... Especially I got into, uh, uh, I suppose, late 80s, early 90s, got into the Seattle uh, grunge scene mm. and discovered people like Alice in Chains who wrote very personal stuff but put it to powerful music and I was like oh my god I found my thing mm -hmm. so at that point you know picking up guitar because I wanted to be able to write songs I could play drums at that point I could play cornet but I'd given the cornet up I can't really write a song on a cornet mm. uh, and I couldn't write a song on the drum kit either so um, 
that's why I started playing um, and writing. And then, I don't know, in my late, by the time I'd got to sort of 1920, that's, that's all I wanted to do. Uh, I realised then that's all I would be content doing. Uh, and it, I just carried on from there. I just relentlessly, you mm. know, writing, playing with anybody I could play with drums or, or guitar, um, and and got I suppose uh, uh, it got serious in 1999. I'd sent a cassette off to a producer whose name I won't mention now mm-hmm. because I fell out with him. But anyway, it taught me a lot about the industry. Uh, I made my first professional record in 1999 in a professional studio. It sort of got released in 2000, and we fell out really quickly. But I learned so much, um, and ever since then, so from 1999 to 2010 I was part-time working professionally in music and part-time doing other jobs just to pay the bills like mm-hmm. we all do um, and then in 2011 went full-time producing because by that point I'd built a studio got gear together got enough experience recording lo- local people mm-hmm. uh, I uh, I used to, I worked in the voluntary sector for a long time working with young people from uh, sort of 2000 one-ish I volunteered with Oxfam to begin with and then got a job with them working part-time that was a really cool thing Um, so I had a nice job alongside music uh, from early 2000s to to, uh, March 2011 and then uh, the uh, current current government let's let's just leave it there let's call them just the current government uh, current colour of government came in and uh, of course, uh, cut everything, yeah. including loads of uh, voluntary sector grants and stuff. So we all lost our jobs. Um, uh, so I was working part time in music at that point as well, recording quite a lot. And at that point, my wife said, "Give it a go, full time." I'd been full time ever since. So, um, but the artist thing, yeah, I, I took it very seriously through the two thousands. Um, did quite a lot of albums and singles and stuff. Uh, with with my bands alone me and the flow mm-hmm. um and uh we got to a fairly serious level but then 2010 um i just found i couldn't cut it as an artist not not just because we were you know we were getting to radio two playlist meetings we had a plugger mm-hmm. and we had pr and we had management and all of that mm-hmm. uh, didn't quite get on the playlist for the first two mm-hmm. singles and i just uh it was just too much for me so um i got quite Unwell, I think, is the way of saying yeah, it yeah. Uh, at that time. So I, 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 I just left my own band and told them to get on with it because they were really good. They carried on for a while, but I, I just stepped back from it at that point. And I was going to give up music completely, yeah. but my wife and a couple of friends just said, just take a little break, Dave, you'll be all right. Um, and then fairly quickly, uh, I just thought, I know what to do. I'll just use all these skills I've learned from being an artist and building up my own studio over the years, mostly because... We had to, to begin with, because we didn't have money to go into big studios. We did end up going into some nice studios, but we built our own studio mm. up. And I was lucky to have a building to be able to do that in. Um, and uh, yeah, I just thought, I'll, I'll produce other people. Um, I've been doing it a little bit anyway. Um, and I was lucky enough to have uh, you know, the, the, the stereotypical thing in the industry that, uh, you know, what do you call a drummer without a girlfriend is homeless um all of those jokes that i'd heard as a drummer now applied to me as a musician and i got my very lovely wife supported me in the early days when i was hardly earning a thing you know yeah um but this is why i am the producer i am uh and the type of 
musician I am is because I've come at it through that, through being uh, a cornet player at three till 17, listening to 25, 30 other people in a room and having to fit in with them. So listening first, then playing. Mm -hmm. And I carried that into my playing in rock bands and, and, you know, groups later on, my Mm -hmm. own bands, listening always listening to what was going on. So I suppose I was always the least talented player in any band I was in, but I had the best ears, I suppose. Um, yeah. Well, there's so many places I would have jumped in there, but it's... Uh, Sorry, no, I rambled. Do, do you know what? Do you know what? I think it's fantastic. Your story is immense. Um, there was, I guess, you say that because you listen, that's one of your attributes. And the other one, obviously, from your story is that you care about how other people feel. And that obviously has a lot to do with it, with your working for Oxfam and stuff, right? That's You're going to care, empathise with the other person relative to them needing to emote their story through their performance, I presume, as well as not just their lyrics. Yeah, uh, it it, it is. I I know how I feel when I um, write and play my own music. And I work with almost exclusively with people just doing their own music. So I've recorded a few covers bands in the early days and mm-hmm. stuff, but now it's it's just independent songwriters. I know how that feels. I know how important it is. Uh, I mean, myself now, I still do put out my own music occasionally. Um, and when I decide to do it, I know how important it is to my uh, happiness, uh, how I'll go about it. And when I'm working with somebody else, I don't, I don't forget that. Um, and you're right. I hadn't really thought about the. the I suppose it's obvious that that I would enjoy working in the voluntary sector. Uh, or I got paid not very well in the voluntary sector, but um, I got paid to work with a lot of volunteers. Mm. Um, but I was working in uh, in in my twenties. Um, I was managing people who were in their fifties and sixties who had emotional breakdowns uh, who had high flying jobs and then had to quit and then came to volunteer for Oxfam as a way back into normal society mm-hmm. and, and I had no training to do this I, I just found that I could do it and I suppose I it, it does make sense now that I would uh, do that okay and that's that's what I do with my music as well I'm, I'm thinking about how's the person feeling mm. um, not just whether they're singing in tune yeah, well, you've mentioned the therapeutic uh, nature of bringing your creation to life, you know, and I think that's something you're trying to champion in other people as well. Um, the other thing that jumped out at me was, you don't have to mention the person's name, but you had a falling out with a producer. And I, I have also done this. I have burned a lot of bridges and I've had to learn to swim as a result, man, because I just <laughs> like, I'm a good swimmer, you know, but... <laughs> With producing, with producers, I fall out because they want to have an influence on it that takes away from my emotional connection to the product at the end of the day. What was your reason for falling out with the producer? Um, the They weren't, I guess they just weren't honest with um, where they were at. They, they formed, a, so they'd had some success in the industry. Mm. They'd worked with some uh, some well-known people and and mixed and and uh, mixed and produced some uh records by people you'll have heard of i won't mention any mm-hmm. of them, but um so they'd had some success in the industry they built a, they built a nice studio uh, and um they set up a label because they thought they wanted to set up their own label and they signed three artists uh, all solo singer songwriters like myself um 
and although they'd had some success on the produce, production side of producing records and they knew they, they knew what they were doing in the studio they had no idea what they were doing with a record label Mm-hmm. And that wasn't made clear, I don't think. Uh, I was very naive. I knew nothing about the industry at all. Um, so I went into it um, and with certain expectations, uh, I guess. And um, beyond making the record, which was very... It's, it's great, like you expect. You know, it was a pro studio. It was actually a really nice studio with a nice ambience, a lot of natural daylight yeah. uh, in the countryside. Um, so that side of it was fine, but then I discovered after that, that that there was no plan, there was no contacts. It took a year from from the the releasing, sorry, the, from the recording, over a year to to actually getting officially released. Yeah. Um, which is okay if you're doing it on purpose, but that wasn't on purpose. It yeah, was yeah. just because they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and by this point, I was getting, you know, I, I would put a lot of time into it. Um wondering what to do about work, whether to commit to work or not to commit to work. And they were saying, well, if you commit to a full-time job, then you're not going to be able to go on tour. And I was saying, well, hang on a minute. I'm not, oh, are you going to sort out a tour for me? (laughs) Have you got me a support gig with somebody well-known, you know? Yeah, Uh, yeah. Nobody's heard of me. Uh, I was, you know, I'd not long since lived, moved to Essex, uh, where where all of this happened. Yeah. Um, I didn't really know anybody, certainly didn't know anybody in the industry. Um, and neither did, well, they knew people, but they didn't know how to run a label. So right. it became very clear that none of my expectations were going to be met, uh, and it, it sort of deteriorated. I guess the relationship deteriorated mm-hmm. uh, to the point where um, we we fell out. Uh, I uh, was going to take them to court, yeah. um, and I didn't have to. We settled out of court in the end. Where I got the musicians' union involved yeah. and got the rights to my recordings back, which yeah. of course never really done anything for me, but it just felt right, the right it's thing to do. Principle, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it really did teach me so much about the industry, uh, which has been uh, very, very useful ever since. So I guess yeah. I wouldn't change it, but it was um, expectations. I suppose it's a lack of communication upfront. Is the short answer to your question? Yeah, it's, uh, which that's, is that's an why interesting. I really prioritise that. Yeah, well, you, you mentor people, don't you? So let's we're talking about the former relation of who you are now. That obviously played a huge part in your <laughs> mentoring of people, and I, I guess being a, a father figure to people who are starting out in the industry as well. You don't yeah. want them to make the same mistakes you make. Now, one of the mistakes that musicians make, which I know this from talking to people on the podcast, there's some very very talented people out there. Uh, you think when you get all this stuff going, management, record label, publishing and all that shit, that things are going to happen. But that's not necessarily the case. In fact, things are, m- are less likely to happen because you're not driving it yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, uh, well, especially these days, yeah. uh, you, can't, you can't expect anything. Um, you have got to do everything yourself. Um, and actually, um, it's, in one sense, we, we are in a more powerful position as artists than, than ever before because we can just do it ourselves if we want to put some music out there onto spotify and apple and whatever we can uh so i i suppose i would just turn all of these things into positives now try and think i can record a record i can release a record um it's 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 a it's a it's an odd time to be to be a, a performer mm-hmm. because it's very difficult to get heard because 
anybody can put music out so therefore there is a lot of music out there but also if you're committed to it uh, if you are really serious about it you can drive it yourself uh, and you can do everything yourself mm-hmm. if you want to uh, I would also encourage artists to to think about you know building a little team uh, of trusted people so it, for my self I, I can play sing write record mix I don't like doing mastering so I hand that over to somebody else yeah. and it's knowing you know where your strengths lie I'm useless at artwork mm-hmm. I'm useless at video mm-hmm. so I get others and, and realizing your strengths and mm-hmm. and your weaknesses and being honest being honest 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 mm-hmm. uh, and then you know if I'm mentoring somebody then finding out those things and, and communicating but but you also you just said um hopefully um helping other artists not make the same mistakes but you've got to make some mistakes in life haven't you Mm -hmm. uh you really don't feel and 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 build your own resilience unless you make some mistakes so you can you can say to an artist whatever you do don't just sign a record deal um with somebody you think is great and they say they're great uh, um, until you've really, really looked into it and thought about it a lot. <laughs> uh, so I can say that, but then any artist that gets somebody approached them that's had some recent success with famous people mm. and says, oh, I, I'd love to produce you. Should we do a record? You're probably going to say, oh, yeah, go on then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Thanks. So, you, you, you know, you can't hold people's hands. It's a dangerous people. one, isn't it? I mean, I do agree that, like, the mistakes I've made, I'm very happy with because they've made me the person I am today. And, and like, yeah. we're only alive in this moment, so brilliant. I'll take that Yeah. to have made those mistakes. I mean, you have to experience things to know how damaging they can be. Um, yeah. in, in In terms of yourself, is this, are you, like, with how your career has gone, where do you see yourself at relative to where you thought you'd be at? Um, in in terms of uh, the music you're making, I would say. Okay, the, it, it, right. So, well, there's there's uh, various different elements to to this. There's the music I'm making. Uh, there's two elements to that. There's my own music, which I still do and still love doing, and still think I've uh, I've got something to offer. Um, that's just organically evolved, mm. um, and and feels feels really good. <clears throat> and because I don't try to do my own music. Uh, for a living, um, it feels great. Mm. So that's naturally uh, just evolved. Mm-hmm. As far as um, making music with other people, um, I feel like I'm in a really nice position that um, I, I, because of the people I work with, uh, it's all through word of mouth. It's all independent artists, most of whom don't have commercial pressures on them. Um, so we can just make decisions together um, and work on the music that we think we want to make, who, you know, what they want to want to make. We don't have to worry about having a particular sound, um, which is why I guess I really enjoy what I do because mm. I'm allowed to really find out who each artist is and help them make the record that it's, um, I did a songwriting thing yesterday. It was a, it was just sort of a, 
it's one of these um, masterclass things. It wasn't a, co- a participatory thing necessarily, but okay. one of these uh, masterclasses that had uh, it was run by Boo Hooadine and Darden Smith and ah yeah and, uh, yes yeah and and Chris Stifford of course the, the songwriter songwriter that pops up on all of these things he popped his head up in the Zoom call for an hour and chatted yeah and Mary Gaucher as well yeah um, and listening to those people talk is just incredible of course because they've been there seen it done it mm-hmm. um, but one thing. Um, that they all seem to touch on was finding your own voice. Yeah. Uh, they said that in different words, each of them. But and that's that's what I really get off on uh, with with artists. So um, uh, uh, there was a there's a, a nice answer, another answer as well to your question about um, where I'm at compared to where I thought I would be at, uh, which is I I have arrived here at being a full time music maker earning a living, modest, but still earning a living mm. from it. I've arrived here not through the route I thought I would. Mm-hmm. So in tw- 2009, that question, where, where do you want to be in 10 years' time, was asked by our manager and a consultant bloke that he brought in, who's very impressive in the in, in uh, various different industries, uh, <laughs> a very high flyer. Yeah. Uh, and he asked us that question, where, where do you want to be in 10 years? Well, five years and ten years, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, I very clearly remember saying, "Oh, I just want to have, you know, to make to make a living and have a nice yeah. farmhouse in Suffolk, yeah, in the countryside." There you are. Um, and all right, and, I, and I'm making a living, and all right, our, our little it's a cottage, uh, but it's in the countryside in Suffolk. It's very nice. There's hardly anything here apart from if half a dozen sheep next door and a lot of birds. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, but I've not arrived here through doing what I thought I would do, which was being an artist. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm finding a way to to make a living from music, and it's ridiculous and great. Yeah. And you, <laughs> and it, so there you go. You're successful, and you haven't compromised your artistic yeah. beliefs. Somehow. Somehow. I have no idea how. But so, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, uh, at the moment, I'm spending some of this free time and lockdown. I've got some work, but not as much as usual because yeah. my studio's closed. So I'm spending a lot of this time thinking, um, working with a coach and working on some strategies and working, thinking about what I want to do going forward a bit more proactively. Yeah. Um, and uh, But a lot of my career, if you want to call it that, is, is just been making it up as I go along. Yeah. Um, and reacting to whatever's happening. So finally I'm thinking, all right, I wonder if I could be allowed to have a little bit of proactive strategy going on now, you know. It's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's an important easy. thing. I, I feel the same. I think that, you know, there's one part of me that last year when the pandemic hit, I thought like, oh God, okay, I'm just going to sit back and watch what happens, you know. But now I'm sort of going, okay, this is going to stop at some point. And if it doesn't stop, we need to make sure the music industry is running correctly. Because if we don't, then what happens is that the Dua Lipas of the world become the entirety of the music industry, and that would be a disaster. Because yeah. like you say, we're going on to Chris Difford saying you need to have your own voice. We need to have our own voices, of course, and we need to champion our own voices and make it okay for other people to have their own voices. And one of our roles, my role and your role, is to ensure that yeah. we can do everything we can for other people to be able to have their own voice, you know. Yeah, that, and, yeah. and keep that space open. Um the, the working you know we we can work with i suppose people uh well uh of my age we 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 have a bit of history and a bit of experience and a bit of wisdom perhaps to offer but but we can also we can have a bit of a 
I don't know, use our experience in, in ways to, to make sure, like you say, the industry, keeping this gap in the industry for independent mm. people to, to do what they want to do and encouraging it. And I've seen so many, especially over the past few years, <clears throat> um, so many people out there need this music. Uh, they don't, you know, there's a lot of people that enjoy Dua Lipa, other pop artists are available. Mm. Um but uh, people need this independent voice, different voices, um, independent artists who deeply care about their craft. And um, I've been lucky to play a couple of shows actually in the in your local theatre, the, uh, the the Riverside, mm. um, and seeing you know two hundred people there listening to every single word of a song that they've never heard of before that I've carefully crafted and I care a lot about. Um, that's a very powerful experience mm. uh, and it's powerful now to me in probably a different way than it would have been powerful when I was young if I'd have done that mm-hmm. um, and now I, I, I feel a responsibility to do it um, and I feel a responsibility to use my knowledge about the industry to make sure if there's a campaign like recently the campaign the musicians union ran about trying to get the government to support musicians because it's important to people's lives that aren't musicians. Of course, it's important to us that earn a living from it, but the whole world needs music and art of different types. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's uh, people like you and I um, who do know a little bit about how the industry works um, and can perhaps have a little bit of an influence on it. Mm. Uh, It's important for us to to put a bit of time aside. Uh, And that's Mm. why I did the mentoring as well just to try and yeah. keep keep all of these positive experiences as well as all the other stuff you learn about over the years uh, to pass that on and, and to try and keep it going yeah so well so so here you are a very very uh well-established successful producer who makes music that he wants to make uh mentors people helps young people sound like themselves who has a firm view of the, of the music scene in suffolk and who has worked with some very important um, and legendary people on the Suffolk music scene. Uh, you have a keen eye on the game here, you know. It's very strong, isn't it, the Suffolk music scene? It, it's, it is, uh, yes. So, um, I'm, I mean, I, I'm by no means a, a local. Uh, we only moved here in, in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before that, uh, I lived in Essex, uh, mid-Essex for, um, well, since 98 yeah. we moved to Essex. So I'm, I'm as East Anglian now as I am Derbyshire. Right. Uh, but... Um, Suffolk has has been incredible since I've moved here. Um, you find out, you know, there are in 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 all these rural corners that that there's so many talented people and quite a lot of famous people, I suppose, move mm. up here and get to get out of London. Um, but it's in easy reach uh, of London. Um, mm-hmm. I I moved here because uh, well, Essex, the rural parts of Essex, I liked, but the further away from London I got, the happier I got. Uh, so so we we ended up coming up here after having holidays up here and moving up here um, then. But it's, it's um, the, especially the last, just the last few years, I, I really have felt like I've been uh, a bit more embraced uh, by a community mm. um, based around this sort of mid-east Suffolk area. I mean, obviously we work with people, I work with, still work with people all over the country and, and currently collaborating with people in, the US and Sweden as well, but it's there is a lovely, lovely community here, and I, I imagine that's that that's replicated across different areas of the country. But but we do seem very fortunate, 
uh, in yeah. this particular little little area that there's talented people in all aspects. Uh, there's talented artists. Uh, there's talented players. There's talented technicians. Um, when something like Folk East, you know, mm-hmm. comes on again, and uh, which I'd encourage everybody to go to, even if you're not particularly into folk music, it's just like a, the most wonderful accumulation of all of those people, yeah. uh, of artists and technicians and musicians and, and beer makers and guitar makers. Uh, and a lot of them are, are local. Uh, mm-hmm. So we are lucky. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, I feel, I feel, I suppose that since I got working with Matt Bayfield in, in late 2017, that's when I really discovered and got embraced by this community around here. Mm. Um, and it's a very humbling thing. And, and uh, obviously I've met all of these people and they're, they're now, sort of fans of my music and, and other music I'm working on as well. So yeah, it's, it's been lovely. It's obviously like, I mean, how many years since Matt died? Is it two years or three years? It's a year and a, it's, it's a year, year. And a half. It was October 2019. So right. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. very, uh, I think, I suppose for yourself, working so closely with Matt must have been a very special experience, you know, to talk about the process of working with someone who was going through that sort of thing. He was so alive as a human being, wasn't oh. he? Like, unbelievable yeah mm. and and uh the the amount of, if i had a quid for every time i'd heard somebody say i only met matt very briefly but he made a big impression yeah uh then i'd be a wealthy man yeah um he, he was incredible um i mean he had he, he'd known about his brain tumor since 2012 yeah. uh, and lived with it for all that time and i got to know him late 2017 uh right. and then worked very close with him from then till he passed away um and we became best friends as as well as close musical collaborators. Um, it's a it's a very powerful experience to work with somebody who is that alive and has mm. that motivation to to get on with stuff. Um, he's uh, he taught me different things about writing as well and, and and how to look at things from more of a storytelling angle. You know, he was a storyteller. That was mm. the, what he wanted writing on his biog when we used to write. You know things a storyteller singer uh yeah. he was a storyteller first which is why people loved him so much that he could sit in a bar nothing to do in music uh, and you know get on with everybody and tell a story uh, but he could also do the same on stage uh in between songs or with a song uh so yeah it was uh incredible experience what what was to, the process to, like making the album i mean was there, was there an urgency to it or was there a, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, by the time we, well, we, we so we, we wrote this for first song together, late 2017, yeah. uh, collaborated on a, a song, Magic Man, um, about his, it was just basically his story about how he met his later wife, Kelly, mm. uh, uh, with uh, Paul Daniels in the background of a shop in Ipswich. <laughs> <laughs> we, so we, we collaborated on this song. Um, and then in early 2018, he said, hmm, Dave, you know this song we've just written? Well, uh, can, can we record a version of it? Because I'd really like to put it out to BBC Suffolk. We know so many people there that, that you yeah. know, we could just... We're very lucky. Send things there and know it'll get played. Mm. Um, and uh, like, and perhaps perhaps do it as a charity single for, for the Brain Tumor Charity. It's like, oh, yeah, of course we can. Yeah. When do you want to do it for? Can we do it in two weeks? What? You, you want me to... What? We haven't recorded anything yet. We've only just finished writing it. Uh, and that continued. Basically, yeah. that's... Um, and and the that was for a particular purpose. But he, he just... Obviously, he wanted to get on with it. Uh, nobody knew how much time he had left. 
so when by the time we came to do the album, so we did a crowdfunder during 2018 uh, to raise some money so I could take block some time out in the studio. Um, basically, that was and pay for a few session musicians. But um, we did a crowdfunder, which of course, because of Matt's popularity, was successful very quickly. Mm. Uh, we we did an album. We wrote a load of songs together. First of all, we we had a few songs hanging around, but we had to write some more. But it was all on fast forward because we didn't know how much time he had. Um, and when you've got that pressure, uh, well, actually, no, not pressure. It's not a pressure. When you've got that focus, uh, then it can be, it's it's inspiring. It's not stifling, mm-hmm. uh, pre- which is why I removed the word pressure. Pressure mm-hmm. is stifling, but that focus of, of not knowing whether somebody's going to be able to, well, record a vocal next week who knows you know matt was going through so many different uh symptoms um yeah he he'd lost mobility so he, he was using a wheelchair but that's fine i was able to adapt my studio i rebuilt the toilet so he could get in and that's fine that's easy those things but you can't deal it you don't know whether somebody's going to be able to talk properly the week after so you have to get on with it so we we just prioritized it uh and and really you know when he felt uh when he was having a good day and we felt like it, we recorded vocals. Um, and uh, it's, it's a, a privilege mm-hmm. to work with somebody on a project like that. Uh, uh, and I'm very proud of it. That is a, a masterclass in production and collaboration. Um, it's, it sounds like everything you've done in your career so far led you to being the perfect person for that job. There's a sort of synergy to that, isn't there? The, the fact that the two of you came together, you know, you had to embrace co-writing with someone i mean yeah you know obviously you've been co-writing in her life but to co-write with someone in that state is is obviously you have to be incredibly empathetic but also driven to get something from them yeah yeah uh it i suppose you're right that um everything where i am now is a product of everything that's gone uh gone on before um but it's um there are some spooky things for Mm. sure that that um that you do wonder whether uh, I'm not a religious chap, but I am a spiritual chap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you think something's led me down this path here and I've ended up being in the right position at the right time to be able to help Matt mm-hmm. uh, and then not just help him, but he became a best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was, that was a spooky old thing. Um, the, uh, the co-writing. Yeah. I had written songs with other people, um, I suppose a lot uh, in my own band, uh, uh, myself and, and, and Sarah Springett wrote all the songs. Yeah. But mostly it, it was, um, I suppose I'd write a, a whole song myself or I'd send a bunch of music to Sarah and then she'd write a bunch of words over the top separately mm. and then we'd come together and just edit. Um, but to actually sit down with somebody uh, and really work on a song way where you're trying to get some, you find out what they're thinking and mm. how that you know get so matt used to sometimes write down some words but then i'd have to try and interpret them um mm. uh, and 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 there'd be a, we'd need an extra verse perhaps yeah. um so we'd sit down together and think okay well what do you want to say in this verse and i guess that was really uh the first time on purpose that i'd sat in a room with somebody and trying to write stuff for songs uh in, in, in that way. Uh, and I've done it a lot more since. Um, I suppose it did teach me quite a lot about 
um, <laughs> be, being in the situation with Matt where um, he is terminally ill and you don't know how long he's going to mm. live for, that really focuses the mind. Uh, but it's a great training ground, uh, I suppose. So fortunately, most of the situations uh, we're in when we're working with other people on songs are not that severe. Yeah. Um, but we can give it the same level of attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's that's something I, I think I can do. Um, yeah. Well, you, I mean, the level of attention. Your role in this scenario is it's obviously developing now because you're working with Kelly, right, on her record. Yes. Now, they're obviously, for yourself, the catharsis of going through something like that, getting so close to someone, seeing probably despair, sadness, joy, all of these things, the yeah. passing of someone who had so much life in them. You need to write about that yourself. And, and sometimes that can take years. But now you're working with Kelly. Are you combining with her in some way is that possible yeah yeah um so obviously kelly kelly bayfield uh was um married to matt for well she was with matt for three was it three four years i can't i'm not sure entirely yeah yeah. four years perhaps yeah but they uh they um had in that short relatively short time uh obviously had a very intense relationship and an amazing relationship Mm. and uh I'd known Kelly before Matt, so I, that's how I got to meet Matt, was working with Kelly on music that she was doing with Kev Wolford, another Suffolk yeah. resident, yeah. Uh, a great, great guy who's been writing songs from the, since the 60s uh, right. and was sort of on the fringes of all the Beatles stuff. You know, he was signed to a major label back then. So he, he'd be, he's he been doing music for years. Cool. He's a great bloke. Yeah. Um, and Kelly was doing stuff with him. And then I... So for a bunch of years now, I've recorded pretty much everything Kev's done. Uh, and I got to meet Kelly through that. And then Kelly started talk, telling me about Matt and say, you must meet Matt. He's a great guy. You mm. two would get on really well. Um, but then when Matt passed away, uh, by that point, uh, I was close friends with, very close friends with Matt, uh, but Kelly as well. Um, and that's, so Kelly, Kelly sort of, became my default best friend uh here in suffolk uh because we've been through so much together and mm. then we we just we were there for each other on a personal level uh to get through the immediate time after matt left us um and uh but we we knew that we wanted to do music as well and matt we'd already started working on a couple of songs actually of kelly's um while Matt was still around and Matt was really keen to, to encourage Kelly to find, again, find her own voice. Mm-hmm. So with Kev, she was mostly singing Kev's songs and they did make a great sound together. But uh, Matt was insistent, uh, as was I, uh, that Kelly should find her own voice as well. Um, so after, I suppose, the the initial period of, of, of shock and, and loss and finding how to carry on um, with that, very large hole in your lives um music was a wonderful thing Mm. to have Mm -hmm. you know she would she'd been part of the bayfield booth group uh she 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 was involved in the recording of the album and then every gig we did she was always there singing with us as well um and and we just carried on uh it was almost like we just had a took a little break and then we carried on albeit we carried on without the big chap on stage with us you know uh but we we then started bit by bit finding Kelly's true voice, um, and that's been a privilege to, to to work with somebody so talented as as she. Uh, but again, we're, we're best friends. Um, yeah. So it's uh, 
it's it's a it's not a, it's not a chore although it's it's when you're really close friends with somebody that you're co-writing with uh, and then producing and recording um sometimes you have to have awkward conversations yeah. uh but we're both we're both the same age we're both uh just a couple of months apart, both 47. Mm. We've been around a bit. We've done mm. lots of music. We've done lots of living. So if I have to say, Kelly, I, I'm really sorry, mate, but that verse just is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> then, then uh, you know, she'll say to me, fair enough, Dave. And that backing vocal you did was really out of tune. I was, oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, man. So you have to have you, super honest conversations. You know what we, you've we, got to do, man. You've got to build up a bank of errors so she can call upon them when she needs to fire something back at you, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, and that's it. We have a lot of fun in the studio uh, that, that something, you know, if, if anybody... Of course, I'm recording everything, uh, e- yeah. even when I get a singer in. Um, I say, OK, just have a little run through yeah. just to get yourself warmed up. I won't record it. Of course yeah. I'm recording yeah, it. Yeah, I always yeah. do. Yeah. And I get all the little outtakes and say, OK, right. Well, if you don't pay the bills or if you're not nice to me, then this this clangor with a large F word at the end of it is going out on you know, YouTube. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a good yeah. But it's um yeah we're, so we are we've 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 recorded most of, of Kelly's album now. It's been delayed. It was supposed to be ready a year ago, uh, but um, uh, some virus has had something to do with that. I've so heard about this virus. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. don't feel pressured about it, uh, and, and and all the people that were involved again, we crowdfunded for it, and uh, everybody's just lovely. They just you know say it'll be ready when it was ready. And it is ninety percent recorded now, and I've just started doing a little bit of mixing. But um, yeah, you'll it's a joy to work on that sort of stuff. You'll know when it's ready, I guess. You know. Um, yeah. What What's the What is Suffolk's music scene going to look like um, in the future? Well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I think that question uh, you could take the word Suffolk out of that and just sure. say, what is any any music? live music scene going to look like yeah. or any music scene is going to look like for a while it's going to be a lot of people um making music still um and find, trying to find ways to put it out there so you've got people like honey and the bear who've been very very successful with their live stream concerts mm. um and then you've got i suppose people that are planning um the folkies guys uh, are planning to hold a festival and and maverick is planning to hold a festival although they've put it back to september yeah and i'm involved in both of those and um the rest of us just have to try and find the motivation day to day to keep making music uh, in between the homeschooling our kids and and having our own despair at not being able to play you know properly uh, for a year yeah. so uh, nobody knows I, and i've heard a lot of i've been doing i suppose a lot of webinars recently a lot of industry webinars mm. um and and trying to just sort of up my game a bit uh, as far as my handle on the, the industry uh, i've ignored it for a long time and just sort of thinking oh yeah i know vaguely about this and vaguely about that but uh, i'm spending a lot of time focusing and studying that now um and everybody's saying the same I was on a, uh, there was a one with the um, uh, Independent Venues Week, was last week, wasn't it? And uh, an organisation had, had organised a, a panel about the future of, of live music mm. and everybody's saying the same. We don't really know. We're pretty sure that by the end of this year, 2021, we will have a functioning live scene again because certainly in the UK, apparently, we're all going to have been vaccinated so we can all go and get in a room together again. Uh, and boy, is that going to be powerful mm. when that happens. Mm. Um, but meanwhile, 
I suppose we there are things there are innovative people like the swiffling white horse here in in, in rural Suffolk. Uh, Maz there is really innovative and thinking of ways of creating a safe but still really creative environment to put on gigs yeah. in, in their in their big back garden of the pub. Um, so that's been a joy actually to see those little things coming out of this and people trying to think of mm. alternative ways of still making and bringing music to people. Um, we'll see the evolution. So, there is an evolution occurring, even though it's a desperate sort of everybody's jostling for what's going to happen. There is an evolution happening and people who are thinking on their feet going, okay, I spot an opportunity here, will be the ones to sort of spearhead how the industry redevelops. Are you in a position to do that yourself? Can you see things? Like you're talking about the, the what's it called? The Swiffling White Horse? or The Swiffling White Horse, yes. Yeah, yeah. Amazing little pub. Right. Uh, in Swiffling, just uh, I suppose between Saxmundham and Framlingham, okay, uh, and the White Horse, yeah. So, um, yeah, they're, 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 they've always done things a bit differently there. Um, and I got to know them very well through again working with with Matt Bayfield. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I I see the need. Oh, it is an opportunity, I suppose, as well, but not in a um, commercial, yeah, shallow sense, mm. but. Um, for those of us that, that can have a little think, think so for instance, you talking about recently, you, you, you've started talking about doing a talk to me, perhaps I shouldn't say, but no, uh, no, it's doing cool. a live stream show I, somewhere. I, I've you know. been trying to do that. I've talked to people. I've spoken to the Riverside. They're having renovations done at the moment. They were talking about a guy called Ben Osborne who lives in Woodbridge, who runs yeah. the Woodbridge Festival or something like that. And he has been yeah. doing that in the, in the Riverside, bringing in okay. Red Snapper and people like that. So. Yeah, I really want to do it. I want to figure out how to do it. It's not just for myself. It's because I want to see the yeah. industry reviving. But it is. There are people working away doing this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I'm, uh, at the moment, I suppose, I'm mostly just trying to think, uh, well, I'm in the middle of a strange period because we've moved we moved house last October uh, to this cottage that needs a lot of renovation doing. And now I'm not a builder, yeah. but I've been doing, you know, the basic DIY a lot. Yeah. Um, and also I need to build a new studio here. Um, so uh, fingers crossed when planning permission comes through, yeah. um, I've got to manage that project as well as still try to do some work at my temporary studio yeah. down the road. Um, so I suppose I'm focusing mostly on my own business, but I am getting my ears and eyes into these webinars and, and the industry strategic stuff and it is giving me uh, an idea of, of just how many people are trying to be that bit more entrepreneurial mm. we, we as self-employed creatives we we by default we have to be a mm. little bit entrepreneurial e even if you know I'm, I'm not naturally a business person mm. but uh, i've had to be and i'm thinking so i am looking at things and my main i suppose my main thing is talking to people a lot keeping in touch with all the contacts that I have in the industry here and, and my friends in, in, in Sweden, we started, we did started doing some work over there. Uh, uh, and obviously it stopped at the moment. Mm. Um, and, th and being ready that I think that's, that's part of what we can do is mm. just be ready. Now, whether that is be ready with a whole batch of new songs or be ready just having practiced at home to yeah. make sure that if we get offered a gig next week, we can do it and perform it really well. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a great at technology, so I've not really got involved with the live streaming stuff, but I'm hoping to, to get some mentoring from somebody else myself about how to do that better. Cause I think that's here to stay the, the live stream yeah. event, event live streaming, you know, yeah, where yeah. you really make a, an effort. 
So well, we should combine on that ready. because I'm I I, I think I think being ready isn't just sitting in a room learning how to play and stuff or being better at that. It's also looking at what's going to be the emerging thing, and yeah. knowing how to use that. That's the be ready we need, man. You know so yeah. Uh, and being open in in a, in a slightly more airy fairy sense, yeah. uh, I think this is important and probably the only reason I've managed to, well, apart from the sport of my wife in in, in the dark times, uh, the only reason I've been, if I have been successful, and being able to continue to be a self-employed musician is because I'm open to things that are happening. Um, I, I I've got my eyes and ears, and heart and uh, emotions ready to be open to things yeah um i think that's really important yeah 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 i think you've got to go with it when it comes your way of course um let's talk about your studio you're now making a new studio are you building the building does the building exist the building doesn't exist what exists at the moment uh out in front of my house is a bunch of old uh wooden outbuildings uh there's about eight of them that they used to be used for pigs apparently um oh dear. <laughs> so it's it's a little old cottage that there's i mean there's just just like a third of an acre plot yeah. that, that that our cottage sits on um so it's not a farm by any stretch but there was it was part of a small holding a, a while ago now these buildings have been rotting for probably 20 30 40 years mm-hmm. and they've been up for 70 or 80 uh probably um so they're not savable sadly because yeah. they're really lovely and atmospheric and i'd love to just put a new roof on them and move my gear in mm. but they are just rotten they're full of you know, woodworm and, and all mm. sorts of stuff so i've got to replace them um so i've been talking to a builder i'm not a builder uh, i'm a yeah. reasonable home diy so i might get involved in some of it i might just get the builder to put out up the shell and then i'll do all the internal stuff uh get somebody to do the electrics and the plumbing for the the bathroom um but yeah it's an exciting time it's uh it's so i but it's at the moment it's really difficult to think about finding time to work part-time on my own business still Mm. doing some things that earn money Mm -hmm. and keeping my clients happy that still are able to record at home or send me stuff for mixing yeah so some of that uh homeschool kids my son's all right he's 14 he gets, just gets on with it but my daughter does need a bit, a bit of help so yeah. you've got to give her some attention and my wife's working so i have to do a lot of that uh and build a new studio and it and 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 it's just you know yeah it, it think I, I try not to think <laughs> if i think about it it gets very stressful but and it's you- very exciting so yeah i am i am going to get physically a new studio built from the ground up in my garden yeah i just don't know exactly when i was hopeful that it would be done by summer um but with the virus and delays and i don't know exactly fingers yeah. crossed yeah yeah the homeschooling is a difficult one i mean we we elected to homeschool our son who's now eight years of age we we homeschool him anyway so this was not a massive surprise to us um but you I, must have a lot more patience than i i don't know i think i, I think i have a lot of patience in the studio but <laughs> I'm not I, sure I do at home. I just, uh, it's a funny one. It's, it was, I remember when I was being schooled, like it was probably the same for you. You get a clout around the head and stuff like that, you know, we'd be fast around the place. And someone was saying the other day, look at my son being homeschooled here. What's he missing? And I'm like, you just need to clatter him around the head. You know, it's fine. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm giving a bad impression. That's not what we do here. We let Mike No, 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 I can't imagine you doing that. So that, that's no, fine. No, 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 no. Uh, it's a funny one. Um, but I think it's a nice time as well. You know, this, this time it, to well, spend with them is, is powerful, right? 
we, we will look back on this time when we got so much time with our kids. I was lucky actually when my kids were growing up that working part-time in, in, uh, and doing music part-time and working strange hours and my wife was working normal hours that I'd, I'd be, I was with my kids a lot when they were tiny as well, yeah. which a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of parents don't have that opportunity because they're the one out working all the time or, or whatever, you know, and whereas uh, I did have more time with my kids when they were little as well. So I'm just getting that time again now. Uh, yeah, which is it's it's fine and it's great. We're just getting on with it. Um, and your wife is uh, your wife is yeah. Irish. Uh, she's half Irish. From, yes, from whereabouts? Yeah. Uh, from uh, sort of Kilkenny, Carlow border area. Okay. Originally, her family. So her mum's Irish. Uh, she her mum was born in Dublin, but um, mm. they were from that area, that lovely rural area. Um, and uh, and my yeah, my kids are called Finn and Neve. That's right. So yeah. we went with the Irish names because they're way more interesting than anything else we could think of. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, uh, it's it's nice. So so with all the whole, of course, the whole Brexit thing happening, uh, they could get Irish passports. They're they're fine. It's just me that will be left here on my own. You're stuck uh, here in yeah. England as an English person with no other. <laughs> English. <laughs> everybody wants to be here even though it's i'm not saying everybody wants to be here but in spite of all of the terrifyingly sh- like awful shit that's going on it's still quite a decent place to be you know that's that says something oh, yeah. doesn't it yeah it is and and you know this uh uh where i live is is absolutely you know where we live is, is lovely uh we have a lot going for us as a as a as an area, as a county, as a country uh and and we can't control the bigger stuff so we just have to sort of do that but i do love ireland i absolutely love it uh we'd love to go back over there a lot more there's still a tiny little bit of land over there that, that still belongs to paula's extended family uh-huh. that, that uh, we just we every time we go over there we just go to this little tiny bit of land that's got a couple of rotten cars in a hedgerow yeah, yeah. it's hilarious and think one day we'll do something with this you know we never have but do you it's a, it's do you turn a stone over every time you go do you move a stone it's like working the land uh we, we go there and we we, we look at everything right. and think right we could put that there and there's a little stone <laughs> bar and we think yeah we could yeah. get you know permission to turn that into a little holiday cottage wander around think this is lovely isn't it and then go and nothing happens uh and it's 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 strange but um uh, yeah it, it's uh, I, I guess which nobody's got the time to go over there uh, i remember you saying you love islands right that you because you talked about was it the orkney isles oh, or something like yes, that yes yeah. uh, no, islands in general yeah yeah, yeah i'm an uh, uh, i think the word is an isla main uh right yeah I, I like little islands as well as the big island yeah uh um the Isles of Scilly are my favourite place uh-huh. on, on the planet. Yeah. Um, the Isles of Scilly off the end of Cornwall. Not Sicily, as a lot of people think, but yeah, <laughs> Scilly. That's um, just being silly, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also love the uh, uh, the Scottish islands. So yeah. I've been to um, Mull, Iona, all of the Outer Hebrides, um, Sky. I went to Sky in early 2019 to do a guitar course, which was amazing. Um, wow! Okay. So I'm a big fan of that area. Uh, yeah. I would happily move to the middle of nowhere yeah. on one of those islands, um, but my uh, my very lovely and supportive wife is not so keen. To, yeah, uh, she's got family down here, so uh, yeah. I don't think it'll happen. But um, what what is it about that, that that draws you to want to be in the middle of nowhere? Um, the quiet 
probably. But then we've got that here, apart from the, the, the we live in a very agricultural area, I suppose, yeah. so we, we have yeah. the uh, farm machinery moving around. But we, um, uh, the, the quiet, the connection to nature, the mm. deeper connection to nature that you have when mm. you are somewhere like that, you have to be in alignment with the weather. And if you're living somewhere coastal or on a tiny island, the tides um, and mm-hmm. life is ruled by those things and not ruled by the more shallow things of, of modern civilization. Do you so feel, I, do I, you I, feel I, that being in that environment, um, being that embedded in real nature and proper nature as it's intended to be by the climate and the weather, do you think that that would inspire you musically different, different ways? Uh, not different because I'm probably mostly inspired by that already. Yeah. I just have to do it in smaller doses. Yeah, yeah. But whereas, yeah. Um, Nearly all of my favourite songs are inspired by that yeah. side of things, basically by by the natural environment, by uh, being being able to sit somewhere, uh, whatever the weather, mm. and and barely see a single um, sign of of modern industrial capitalism. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say sign of man because, of course, nearly everywhere has been farmed for generations. So there's very few natural landscapes left in in their entirety yeah uh even up there uh, in scotland but um yeah yeah i, I think it uh, I, I feel like it would uh and uh I, i'm hoping to go on a, <laughs> a residential songwriting retreat later this year if it doesn't get cancelled where's that uh, in the middle of Noidart, uh, oh wow okay peninsula yeah um uh, i have actually uh, signed up for it for exactly this reason who's doing um, that um, it's uh, sh- well the, the songwriters that are leading it are Shelley Poole who's Alicia's right. Attic was her famous thing yeah. but she's co-written with loads of famous people and the guy whose name I can't remember right. who co-wrote a load of stuff for Dido's first record so that's where he made his name yeah. but um, they, they, you know, they are those songwriters that mostly work behind the scenes these days that have written many 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 hits yeah. um, I'm inspired though by two different things there is one is the uh, those people are, are very cool songwriters, so I'm keen to learn from them, but also more the landscape. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm very into getting very into St- Scottish traditional music as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's another reason why I'm inspired by that particular part of the world. Yeah. Uh, Talk to me about Chris Drever. Chris Drever. I, uh, okay, Chris Drever's a very n- nice chap, I have just found out. Yeah. So I've seen him play live a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, obviously, very very talented singer writer and guitar player and then he, he last year he started doing these guitar hangouts he calls them yeah. lessons yeah. Uh, they're they're more relaxed than that but they are a lesson it's it's almost you know it, to get the opportunity to sit on a zoom call and have a, a 50 minute guitar hangout talking about whatever i want to talk about related to the guitars with chris Drever yeah. for me is is just mental um but he's just the most lovely down-to-earth guy who's so generous with his craft and all of the skills and tricks he's picked up over the years um so yeah i've been, i've played guitar for a long time but i i i've never taken it particularly seriously and, until just the last few years really yeah um so it, it's just talking to him about all right i can sit there and play this and this but I know I've got faults with my technique and my right hand, especially, yeah. uh, and can you, and also the theory side of things I've never taken that seriously. I, I just play mostly by ear. Yeah. So uh, he's given me a bunch of strategies um, that will improve he big on both theory? My, my playing and, and thinking as well. 
Yeah. But what yeah. An, what an amazing amazing guy because when you when you have somebody that's that's flying that high in the folk world as he is at the moment. Yeah. You think um, you put them up on these pedestals, but he's just a normal bloke like you and me. His technique is unbelievable, man, isn't it? Like his <laughs> like his right hand technique, like the way he holds That's... a plectrum, where he puts his hand, his timing, the placement of the yeah. note is phenomenal, flawless. As as a guitar geek uh, thing, it, you could yeah you could go on about that for for a long time. Uh, the the course I went to on Sky in, in early 2019 was run by a guy, a guy called Ross Martin, who has a. a uh, Scottish slash Gaelic band Dive hmm. um, and uh, he he hung out with Chris Drever a lot when they were younger uh, in Edinburgh and uh, this this Ross is an amazing guitarist I just so watched him especially the right hand yeah. his floating right yeah. hand I watched him play and I thought wow he's and, and Ross said oh Chris Drever is just the most amazing guitarist you've ever seen yeah. you know and he just thought so highly of him and to hear somebody that good say that about chris uh so as soon as these guitar lesson things yeah. appeared online i was like mm, yeah i think i should probably do that i'm terrified yeah. totally terrified <laughs> but uh but but i need not be so yeah he's going to carry on at the moment uh, around other commitments even when he's he, he start gigging, he said he's going to carry on so oh, i'm definitely go uh, i'm going to work on this stuff that that he's told me about for a couple of months i don't know how he does it man it's like it's this is the thing about him he is so accurate but puts so much emotion in it and doesn't lose his place like i'm not sure it's a mental positioning thing well what 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 ross said about him well of course he was brought up in a uh, surrounded by folk music his dad was a folk musician yeah and, and you know so he he was totally surrounded by that um so it's probably in his bones and his blood but he, he apparently in his his, his youth, uh, if you listen to Chris, this Chris, uh, forgive me for this. This is what Ross said. It, uh, it was, <laughs> I think obsessive is probably a word that he he literally would play all the time. He would want to talk to you all the time about playing, yeah. and he would just play everywhere he could. So um, when you play that much, um, you, you do get pretty good, I suppose. Mm. Uh, and and when you're up there, uh, you talk about the Suffolk music scene being being very creative. My God, the, per head of population, if you think about Scotland and the islands, yeah. um, the per head of population, the talent that comes out of there is unbelievable. Mm. Um, you know, every third person it seems is just a world class musician. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a quite a big pile, isn't it? Most people are not yeah. quite as good as Chris Dreamer, but they're still. Uh, no, there good. aren't. No, I, don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't think I know anybody else that's that good on guitar. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, and Lau, of course, being an incredible project and experimental to boot. You know, they've done it so yes, well. Yes, yeah, yeah. Some of their stuff takes a bit of getting used to, mm. uh, but how brave, to, yeah. you know? Uh, but then it doesn't. Now, now I've met Chris briefly online. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that um, you can you could do folk music forever and you could become really good at doing traditional music but for somebody truly creative you want to do something new with it as well uh so where they've gone with it and and others as well other uh, that that are taking folk music in a new direction and that's how it'll carry on being relevant that's been my that's been my thing with it man as well i mean i love the traditional nature of songwriting and i love that sort of thing but it doesn't really I like to push things forward and I love bringing Ableton in and trying to loop something in a creative manner. But I yeah. find that I sort of jump in that car and I put too much gas and I crash into a wall, you know, and I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> give me my guitar, let me sit in the corner in the room, you know, and I get back to that. So I'm flip-flopping between the two, but I do love to see that he has excelled in both fields. What about yourself yeah. in your own in your own songwriting procedures now and things like, what, 
What is it you do when you pick up a guitar? Do you just sing and play? Do you write your lyrics first? How do you approach it? Um, a bit of both. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't have rules. Yeah. Um, uh, although, <clears throat> listening to a bunch of different uh, people talking about songwriting, experienced songwriters, sometimes it's, a, it's actually, especially if you get a bit stuck, sometimes it's good to give yourself rules or limitations mm -hmm. or um to work with but i generally i don't have rules um i have a notebook um that i carry around with me most of the time um so if something pops into my head i've yeah. either got the notebook or my phone uh that i can just record you know a quick voice message into um and and i'll i'll, I'll sometimes sit down with a guitar and something will accidentally i'll i'll, I'll just noodle and, and something will sound nice and i'll think that sounds nice. I'll just record that yeah. into a into again into the phone, yeah. uh, and then sometimes I'll bring things together. I'll look at my notebook and think, right, there, do I want to write a song? I'll have a look at my notebook. Is yeah, there anything yeah. in there? Mm. And then I'll listen to the phone, um, or I suppose more often these days I, I, I will have a bunch of words. Um, I, I find it really easy to write music for songs, and very difficult to write words that I like. Yeah, really, really, really difficult. Um, so I, I could quite easily write a song every day on the guitar, yeah. a, a, a song, three and a half, four or five minutes worth of music. No mm. problem. Mm. Uh, if I write one song every month, that's, that's a result mm -hmm. as far as the words are concerned. Mm -hmm. So usually I'll, uh, these days I'll, I, I wait until I've got a few bunches of words stacked up that I know I'm happy with yeah. in my notebook. And then I'll just sit down and, and um, read through them. Get, try and get back into that headspace of where I was when I wrote it yeah. uh, and then bring the guitar out. That's um, good advice because I, I, in Spain, I pressed record about 360 times, just pick up the guitar and start singing. But I'm like, oh, damn, it's the words that are hard to come by. So if I do that with a notebook and a pen and paper instead of pressing record and just yeah. write the words, it's uh, continuous writing. It does tend yeah. to work. It's about letting inspiration in. I mean, you could be washing yeah. the dishes and have your daughter say something about do birds play, right? Which is what you just did the other day. And came <laughs> up with a phenomenal thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that little poem just put, yeah. So that, that was, and, and but again, that's being open, isn't it? It's just being open yeah. to hearing stuff. And uh, and actually the, yeah, um, Darden, Darden Smith uh, and Boo, who had even been talking about this on the, on the, the thing I was on yesterday uh, about being awake so you get up in the morning, you, you have your coffee, uh, but then you wake up uh, and there's another layer of waking mm -hmm. up to, to a songwriter's life. Our job as artists, creative songwriters, is to be that stage more awake than mm. normal population would be. Mm. There's people that go out there and do great things and, and you know, a current example, nurses or whatever. The example I always give over the years are dustmen, bin men, milkmen, yeah. women, people yeah. post people yeah. forgive the men thing but yeah. um that that's just the, the you know the the throwaway examples i've given over the years of, of, of jobs that are really important uh ours is equally important in a different way isn't it uh, and it, and and our job is to wake up to be open to the possibilities that are going on around us um and one of those just the other day yeah my daughter saying um uh do we're stood in the kitchen and, and she said do birds do wild birds play yeah what an amazing question she's 10 and yeah. uh they just have amazing brains don't they yeah so i say well yeah of course they do yeah i'm sure they do i liked i'm not i'm not going to look it up on google 
because this is a this is a deeper question mm. you know I, i'm going to come up with our, our own answer and uh, and and yeah i just sat down and wrote a daft poem my wife said it was a bit spike milligan I don't know. I think it's a, or, or Michael Rosen. Uh, I don't know. The, you you posted post some lovely images there about the robin having great crack jumping from fence post to fence post. I thought that was like that's what they do, isn't it? We're having a laugh. Well, that is, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're lucky where we live that we're surrounded by these little birds everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, so yeah, I, I just thought, what? Well, yeah, just because we haven't seen a. Um, I can't remember what it was. It a wren. I said I've not seen a wren playing cricket on the green, but it's yeah. just because it's not been seen. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's uh, so. So I just I had to write this thing down. I don't know why I had to write this thing down. And my wife just laughed. She said, "Well, that's that's you know that's what you do. You know, she she organises things and organises my brain. Yeah. And I write silly poems. So I don't think that one will end up in a song. I think it's more likely that I don't know. I'll get one of the other creatives locally to illustrate yeah it. i'll see if i can put a children's book out or something yeah yeah i think it was the fact that you were so open to the idea and you committed to it and you followed it through that's what we need to do as songwriters we need to be open able to translate transmit put it on a yeah. pen and then off you go action, action you've got to yeah. have action yeah uh, yeah that's something that darden smith said yesterday is that's that's the difference that mm. between just creatives and people who actually do it mm. uh yeah uh yeah, Put it to action. I did a songwriting course with Chris Difford last week or the week before that, and it was actually I was expecting to lose my voice, but I found my voice because he's very much about you finding your own voice. But it's all yeah. about when you turn up in your studio, you don't don't expect something to happen, but make sure you turn up, you know. And that's the action part of it as well, is to sort of be committed. He was impressed with us because we were committed to the idea, and we came up with a song in four hours because you decided you're going to do it and you see it through yeah. action. Yeah. 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 Um. And, and that's that's ideas are nothing mm. unless you actually do something with them mm-hmm. yeah, uh, we yeah, can yeah. all be creative all the time we can all have lots of very, oh, we do have I, I certainly have lots of daft ideas but uh, yeah. uh, unless you actually do something with them it means nothing yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely well speaking of ideas you're going to play me a song now then tell me about the song you're going yeah, to play yeah go on then um, right uh, this song uh, the song I'm going to play um, is by the sea it's called by the sea ah nice nice and um it's uh the still well still the only song i've written about suffolk or well inspired by suffolk it's not about suffolk particularly yeah um but it's uh, a song i wrote a few years ago I've, 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 we um the family and i had a, a really nice time out down um by Bordsey, Bordsey Key area, which mm-hmm. is an area of Suffolk that's basically being washed away mm. uh, mostly, and there's not going to be long before Bordsey Manor drops into the sea. Yeah. And I was just very struck by the power of nature. Again, uh, it's I always find it inspiring, um, and uh, I was struck by the power of nature, and uh, but 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 also uh, some of the hope. Uh, staring out to sea and, and seeing the, the wind turbines, which some people don't like, but I do. There's that um, spit of just, sand as well, isn't there? That, that That's where the sort of river meets the sea yeah. as it comes in. And that's always changing, but always there. Yeah. I think it's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there's these things and these themes about um, some things uh, being repetitive about modern life. But, yeah. then, uh, uh, but then ultimately we are powerless uh, against the forces of, of, of nature which are far more uh, 
interesting than, than we are <laughs> and they've been around a lot longer yeah. and I was just yeah so I was I was quite inspired by this um day out down at Balsy Key in Suffolk uh, and uh, yeah nice I'll do this song then shall I take it it's, away uh, it's called by by the sea I should get the words up in front of me because I haven't played this for a while. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think I've got them hidden behind the screen. Such is the way of modern life that here we are, scratching around cool. on little laptop screens by the sea. Shingle, grass and rust Clear resistance dust, ground seeds swallowed whole, waves take it all. Horizon of hope, three sailed flies open, sky takes a wandering eye. I am hers. Current drags us all. And engines fight for now. Land us safe. Back at the start. Hide from the wind and rain When we all go home I'll leave my twin by the sea Current drags us all
swim by the sea We'll go home I'll leave my twin by the sea That's superb, man. Thank you. Uh, so I think one of the joys for me when doing these is when people play me songs and it's so, it feels so personal. I like, it's like being serenaded by one person on the other end. Yeah. It's so, yeah. so and, nice. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a scary thing playing to one person. Actually, it's more scary play than, than playing to a hundred, I think. It is. It totally <laughs> is, man. What, what, what's you just the, gotta, yeah. what's the, the, you leave your twin. What, what, what was that referring to? Um, I didn't want to come home. I did in a way and I didn't. I, and I felt like this is typical. My, my wife would uh, definitely uh, recognize this, that I came home, but I was not fully there. <laughs> my brain was, my heart, and at least half of my brain did not come home that day. It stayed down on the coast for uh, yeah. certainly several hours, if not a few days. Well, let's, and, let, and it's, yeah. Yeah, I think, and also where you, you sort of tried to solve it by writing a song, which then in playing the song puts you back there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, typical keep, of our... Keeping uh, the twin affection. alive, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, still alive about five years later uh, after I wrote it. <laughs> but, nah. yeah. but um, that's yeah, typical of uh, our affliction as, as songwriters. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally, man. We're we're slaves to it, but we love it. We need it. Oh, yeah. we, we we it's a wonderful burden. That's how I've always described it, man. You know, I like that. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, man, it's been a total pleasure to talk to you. It's been really, really nice to sort of get to know you in this fashion as well. You know. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Thank you, thank you for uh, for asking me. It, right. It's been a joy, and uh, I'll I'll have to turn it around, uh, resurrect my podcast, and uh, you can do the same for me. That would be a pleasure, my friend. That'd be a pleasure. Yeah, I, I look forward to getting to know you more and doing some music with you in the future as well. You know, it'd be really nice. Well, yeah, yeah, we can do that now. Now you've uh, moved a bit more, like, yeah, uh, to us. Then uh, let's let's yeah, absolutely do that. I'm yeah. here, man. All right, brilliant. Well, listen, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and I'll talk to you really soon, David. Thank you, man. All right, cheers, mate. Take me. Thank you. Bye. Well, there you go. That was a lovely conversation with a truly lovely human being. And I think anybody in Suffolk who's listening to this wondering, who can I go to to record something that's going to be in keeping with my heart's content? Then you've, you've got the person there. Um, David is also a mentor, uh, among other things. And I, I think he'd be a brilliant person to talk to about career trajectories and uh, staying true to your inner beliefs as well. You know, it's just something I align myself with. But I'm very, very lucky to have met David as well. Back in 2015, I went to play at a show he was putting on Live at the Cottage it was called and I recorded a live album there and that actually is one of my favourite records that I've ever made Stephen William Hodd Live at the Cottage uh, you can find that on my various things as well um, but I, I really enjoyed that process the crowd were brilliant the warmth from the crowd was amazing and David recorded it so well and it was a great laugh as well so Suffolk you're a lucky county to have this man in you I think uh, and I really look forward to hearing some more stuff particularly the work he's been doing with um, Matt Bayfield's wife Kelly Bayfield and the other people he works with as well. You can find out more about David Booth at www.derecordingbooth.co.uk And for more Tapping the Flow stuff, go to tappingtheflow.com uh, Next week, I am joined by Colm Ford from the Dock and Roll Film Festival. Thank you very much, as always, for checking out Tapping the Flow. I really appreciate it. Your support is invaluable, and I hope you got something from this conversation to take into your own creative practices, whether that be making bread or feeding the birds or walking down the street with a beat in your head. See you next time. Cheers. Bye.